0: So in this week's episode of the Failing Awesomely podcast, you will hear about all the CT scans I had to get since the cancer spread to my lymph nodes, like I talked about in last week's episode, the results, the genetics testing results, getting my drains out, my first appointment with a medical oncologist, Dr. W, finally, my first second opinion, my second surgery, and the anxiety that I had after that second surgery, the pathology results from that surgery, and my second, second opinion, and also how all of this was heavily affected by the coronavirus. And also an incredible, incredible story of how some amazing people in our lives made big, big changes in the life of the Garcia family. Hi, friends. I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the Failing Awesomely podcast. I'm Lindsay Garcia, and I have a desire to share my stories of failure. Yes, failure in business, motherhood, relationships, and while chasing big, big dreams. To say I've taken a lot of risks in my life would be an understatement. Here's the thing, in every failed attempt, there are multiple lessons to be learned and coming out on top is not only possible, but I can almost guarantee it. Hey, if you fail, that's okay. Learn from it and turn it into something awesome. First, I kind of want to, um, I wanna address what, it feels like for me is the elephant in the room when it comes to this podcast. And here's why right now I have breast cancer and I'm on this journey. And I did not have breast cancer when I started this podcast just last year. At the end of last year, I started it on my birthday, October 30th, 2019. So if you haven't been listening and following along since then, And you somehow were brought to this podcast because of my breast cancer journey and you're kind of just listening to these episodes. I feel like the title of my podcast being called Failing Awesomely kind of seems um, a little odd considering I'm talking about breast cancer and some people are being sent to my podcast and listening to my podcast either because they have breast cancer or they are affected by it in some way through a family member, a close friend, what have you. So the initial reason that I titled this podcast Failing Awesomely was because I wanted to talk about all the failures that I have endured in my life, in business, since I became a mom, in relationships, in going after crazy big dreams, um, that sort of thing. I never thought that my health would come into play. So when I hear failing awesomely and breast cancer being s- clumped into one topic, I feel like I'm talking about my f- my like m- uh, mocking that my body is failing me so awesomely right now by developing this cancer that I now have to fight. But I also think it it does kind of bring some humor and some light to what I'm going through and this journey that I'm on. And I just kind of wanted to explain my thoughts on that. I'm not just because for a lot of this year, I'm going to be talking heavily about my journey with breast cancer because I think it's important to share. I think it's one of the reasons why I'm going through it so that I can share my story and hopefully help somebody else down the road. Um, but I I don't want to change the title of my podcast because I still plan on it being a platform for all the other things that I still wanted to do with it. Um, And I just, I just wanted to address that, especially, like I said, for anybody new who hasn't been listening since the beginning. But to recap the end of last week's episode, anyway, I hope that that explain some things for you maybe you needed no explanation maybe you didn't you weren't even thinking about my the title of this podcast and um, I had no reason to give that explanation but I just felt like I wanted to and thank you so much again for coming and taking the time and listening to the show truly means a lot to me and I hope it's helpful I hope it's informative I hope you get a lot out of it To recap the end of last week's episode, I found out from my surgeon of oncology, Dr. K, that all four lymph nodes she removed from my first surgery on March 10th, 2020, were all positive for cancer. David and I knew (laughs) that We had to compose ourselves after hearing this news and rejoin our family downstairs and my best friend Karen, who I call Wifey. That's our nickname for each other, so you will hear me call her Wifey and not Karen. But we had to go tell them the news. Kind of have to rip the Band-Aid off. I didn't want to hide anything from anybody. I could tell my mom was trying to stay positive in a this sucks sort of way, which is honestly the best reaction to have to this kind of news, at least for me, I, you know, I want people to be real and acknowledge their feelings, but also trying to stay positive on top of it and not completely falling apart, hearing any kind of negative news. And I've been really proud of my mom for being super strong through this because, you know, I'm her daughter and I can't imagine how I would feel if one of my kids had cancer, I mean, I can't even go there because even, even in adulthood, even at a time when they would be able to better handle it, no matter what your, your children are always your children, no matter how old they are. And I just can't imagine watching one of my sons go through this. So she, she's been incredible. And, and wifey, She looked like she needed about a bottle of wine after hearing it, but she still responded with her infamous, it's going to be fine. (laughs) And That's just her. That's who she is. And I love her for it. So thank you, Afi, for your reaction and for always just trying to stay upbeat, even when it's really, really hard. I questioned everything about my cancer at this point. They couldn't see anything in my lymph nodes in imaging, at all, yet it was there. It had spread. What did this mean for my treatment and what I'll have to endure? How are my poor kids going to understand what's going on now that I'll have to go through chemo? Do I need to start shopping for hats, caps, and wigs? Will I feel okay enough to take care of my kids? Will they be scared of me if I look a lot different? These were the kind of questions just running through my head and so much more. I tried my best to just focus on the fact that I know God is fighting this battle for me, taking it day by day and focus on healing from surgery and enjoying the rest of my time with my best friend. (laughs) And I gotta tell you too, my boys have been absolutely amazing. Having to stay cooped up because of the coronavirus on top of knowing that mama is sick and needing to go out into the germs, as Andrew says, so that I can get better. Gosh, they've just handled it so well. The surgeries, everything, they've just been incredible and smiling all the time. They've had a lot less tantrums and meltdowns and whining or maybe I just haven't seen them as much because I'm not <laughs> the hands-on full-time mom that I'm used to being. But at least for me, they've been on their best behavior. And it it's just been incredible for my healing process and for getting through this. They are my bright little lights from God. And we've been so fortunate that we've had the money saved the David could be home this whole time since before my surgery. So since before the quarantine, since everything, which has helped so much, not just with his role as daddy, but also as my rock, my husband, my huge support. My mom has also, like I said, she's just been such an amazing help, um, She's been here well before the coronavirus quarantine, and I thank God every day that she's able to be a constant, to help with the kids and be a huge support to us. My mom has truly been amazing. She's been able to be right there with the kids, with every doctor's appointment we have to go to, Um, so David can come with me. I mean, he hasn't been able to actually go with me into any more appointments for a while, but he can still be present, drive me there, talk things over. Sometimes we even call him and put him on speakerphone while I'm in a visit, which is great. Um, But it's it's definitely been crazy, y'all. This coronavirus has made this whole journey that much tougher. But... God is so good, and God is so much stronger, and he has made us so strong in the process. Less than a week after my surgery, I had to get CT scans done on my chest, abdomen, and pelvis, and also a bone scan. All of these tests, they're, they're painless other than the IV that has to be injected for contrast for these scans. I speak terrified of getting IVs. And now I'm really not bothered by them. I think I've had five or six IVs put in me in the last couple of months. So I'm kind of now a pro. Um, And all these scans were necessary to get done since we knew that my cancer had spread to my lymph nodes. So this was just to check to make sure that we couldn't find cancer anywhere else in my body. Thank the good Lord, the scans all came back clear. So whatever course of treatment Dr. W and Dr. K were planning to do was a go now that we had this information. It also is what determined my stage to still be an early 1B, which I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. I'm just so grateful that even though it has spread, it's, it's still a very early stage. It's still a very, very treatable cancer and I'll talk a little bit more about that when I go into details about my first uh, medical oncology appointment with Dr. W. Next, though, I had a follow-up appointment with my plastic surgeon, Dr. M. And it was great. I've, I'm healing very, very well. Um, and he also, at that appointment, took out my drains. So this was a couple weeks after my double mastectomy. He took. I had two drains on each side of me and he took those out Uh, getting drains out is a very it's really just an interesting sensation it doesn't hurt but you don't realize how much tubing is in you until it's pulled out of you and it was it it was just wild it kind of felt like a a tiny little snake was in your body and it was coming out Um, so it, it might give you the creeps but it's it's painless luckily Because of the coronavirus, any appointments that aren't completely necessary to come in and be seen for, we have either had a phone call appointment or a video call. Most have been phone calls, as was my genetics results appointment. We were already pretty certain that my panel of 47 genes that were tested would come back negative for mutations because I have no family history of breast or ovarian cancers. And we were right the entire panel came back negative, which was great news. One of the major things that uh, mattered to me in getting this genetics testing was to know that, know if my boys were affected by this or not, because if it came back that I had any genetic mutations, there was a 50% chance that I could pass that mutation down to my children. So, if it would have came back positive, then they suggested that the boys, as soon as they are in their early 20s, start to get scanned for cancer. Um, And I'm just so grateful that we don't have to do that. They have just as high or low chance of getting cancer as any person walking the streets. And that goes for me too. I don't have a higher risk of getting other types of cancer other than the average person. So getting this genetics testing done and knowing that the results are negative, um, it's a huge relief because I know that, although it's very unfortunate I got breast cancer, it was a fluke. So um, not a fluke, but it, it, it happened just because. It it wasn't because of something else that I was born with. So that's all very good news. Then I finally had my appointment with my wonderful medical oncologist, Dr. W. The appointment I've been waiting for since receiving my diagnosis. It was a little awkward because, you know, anytime you go to any facility, you have to be screened now. You go there. Um, for me, this was at the Cancer Institute, and they have nurses outside waiting for you. They know who's supposed to be coming into that building. They have a list of names and why they're being seen. So they have to confirm who you are and why, why you're there. They take your temperature and they ask you all the questions. And this is for every single visit where I physically have to go somewhere. So they ask you, have you been in contact with anybody in the last 14 days that might have been exposed to coronavirus? Have you traveled outside your city or been to any of the hot spots in the last month? Have you experienced any fevers or cough or, you know, all of these things? And then if you pass the screening, they let you in they take I think I already said this but they take your temperature too so they know that you don't have a fever and everybody in there is wearing masks and I was wearing a mask too my mom made me masks she made the whole family masks and then she ended up making our extended family masks and some friends masks so walking in to the institute everyone like I said everyone's wearing masks most people are wearing gloves Everybody's being super, super careful. They're screening you at almost every checkpoint. And when I met Dr. W and her nurse navigator, or one of the nurse navigators at the cancer center, um, her name is Julie. I've talked to her so many times on the phone, I feel like I know her, but I finally got to see her in person. But what's weird is you only see really their eyes. You're not really fully seeing the person who is taking care of you. <laughs> so it's kind of an odd an odd thing and they're not fully seeing you either because I had a mask on. Um but I I loved her and I already knew I loved Julie. So the first thing we did is just kind of talk, made sure I was feeling good and healing well. We went over all the pathology reports from the biopsy reports to the surgery reports to the lymph node reports and anything and everything in between. Just to make sure we were both up to speed and knew exactly what information we had in front of us. Um, And then she started to go over what she recommended for my treatment plan. And the great thing about my specific type of breast cancer is it is the most common and it is very treatable. And so there is a standard of treatment that is pretty much done to everybody with my type of breast cancer, at least nationwide. So That was great news, not only to hear, but to just know that in my case, they are confident it was curable, and she actually used that verbiage in talking about my treatment plan and my type of cancer, which was just a huge relief. So my type of treatment plan is called ACT, and I didn't get my notes out to tell you exactly what Chemo medication is A, C, and T, but most of you probably, you either understand if you've been through this before or know somebody who's been through it, or if you're just listening to this out of curiosity, then you don't need to know the the names that I can't pronounce anyway. Um, But the treatment plan is for eight doses of chemotherapy. The first four doses are two different drugs, one that starts with A, one that starts with C. And these drugs, they do together as a combination for four doses once, you, you get treatment once every two weeks. So in total, it's a 16-week plan. And um, so you get four doses of AC, and then you get four doses of of T which I actually remember is called taxol. So I would get 4 doses of taxol. Then once you are done with treatment, you get your very last infusion. They have you take about a month off and then they recommend radiation on my left side where my tumors and my and the cancer that was in my lymph nodes right in that specific area. And you actually go every weekday, Monday through Friday, for about five weeks, which I kind of was a little blown away by that radiation is an everyday thing. Um, even though it's only for five weeks still, that's that's a lot. You're going in there um, every single day. It's kind of like a job. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a tough uh, pill to swallow that Radiation treatment would be that way. And I learned how it affects your skin. Um, so because of that, my skin would need to completely heal before I start reconstructive surgery, which I think I had talked about in a previous episode. The type of reconstructive surgery that I personally want is called a tram flap. That is something that it's, it's, a, it's a pretty huge surgery. Um, and you want to be fully healed at least your skin fully healed before you get that done. But yeah, we just we talked about all the logistics of everything. I asked a lot of questions. We went over side effects, you know, hair loss, nausea, what they do to kind of help to control some of the the physical side effects like nausea. There's nothing that they can really do about hair loss and basically all the things that are super unpleasant and and create um, pain or discomfort are the things that they want to be on top of and treat for you. So we went over all of that. But I had my second meltdown since finding out I had cancer in this appointment. And it was for the best reason ever. She looked at me and she told me, Lindsay, I am confident that we are going to cure you of your cancer you will be able to raise your kids and you will be able to be a grandmother to your grandbabies. And I lost it. Mostly because that was exactly what I needed to hear. That was the kind of motivation that even though God has done an amazing job using the Holy Spirit within me to protect me and and, and keep me uplifted and to bring me peace, I needed to physically, audibly hear that. And I was so grateful. Um I was so grateful, so thankful. At the time of that doctor's appointment, we were told that as of then, so I think I think this appointment was March twenty fifth and today, well, when this podcast will be released is April 8th, so that's a lot of time in between, and with, you know, this pandemic changing every single day, we knew that there was a chance that this could change, but what we were told at the time was that on my first day of treatment, which was to be April 20th, that is the day I am to start chemotherapy, I could bring someone David, my husband, that day to be with me for that first treatment and then I'll have to come by myself for the foreseeable future, every treatment after that until we get this coronavirus under control. Um, Now that has changed. I recently talked to them yesterday and they told me that now I will unfortunately have to go to all of my treatments and all of my appointments alone from this point forward until yeah until we get this all under control like I said. After that appointment I had my first second opinion visit but because of COVID-19 we decided that all of these visits should be via telemed telemedicine which is um, either a video call or just a a phone call uh, conversation. So I had my first, second opinion with a wonderful woman in Westchester, Dr. H. She um, came very highly recommended. She's an incredible oncologist specializing in breast cancer, and I absolutely loved her. She explained things very well, and she was very informative. Um, She actually enlightened me with a couple of things that I didn't know Um, about my cancer. Just extra information that um, I really appreciated. And the best part was that she confirmed that the treatment plan that Dr. W had um, established for me was standard. And she agreed with everything, everything that had been done from that point on, everything that we planned to have done so and that's what i needed. I i needed that confirmation to know okay, this is the standard of care. I'm in good hands. Then i had my second surgery. And i feel like a broken record, but because of the coronavirus, David couldn't come in with me to have this surgery done. He couldn't be sitting and waiting for me in the waiting room. He couldn't be sitting and waiting with me until i had to go back in the OR. He had to drop me off in the front of the hospital and come back and pick me up later when I was discharged. So that was definitely very odd, um, having to go through that and alone. And like I said about the other visits, you get screened several times in the hospital as they should. This is all things that they should be doing, and I'm very thankful for it. it protects everybody, um, but it's tedious and it takes a long time to get checked in now. But before I knew it, I was about to go on into the OR, and in this surgery, what was done was a port was placed first on my right side for chemotherapy, And if you don't know what a port is, it's this little device that they place. I actually don't know exactly how the port is connected to you, but then the tubing goes up into one of the vessels that goes into your heart. So um, when you're going in for chemotherapy, they just have to connect to the port And your chemo will go straight into your heart. It will be diluted there. And um, I'm not a medical professional. So if I'm saying any of this the wrong way, this is just how my brain processes what uh, the port does. So the chemo goes into the port, goes into the blood vessel, into your heart. It is able to be diluted there, which is good. And then it goes out into your bloodstream everywhere pretty quickly so it's the best way to um, be given chemotherapy and um, I had that port placed and then Dr. K did the axillary dissection on my left side where she took out the rest of my lymph nodes underneath my armpit and um, also the surrounding tissue to be tested for cancer And also to remove it, so to stop the spread if there was cancer found in those lymph nodes and surrounding tissue. The crazy thing was, I only had one more lymph node in my axilla, or axilla. I'm not sure how to say that. It's one of those ways. What's nuts about this is normally there's like 20 to 40 lymph nodes in your axilla. So, I have always, for my whole life, been operating with five. The good part about this is that I have a lot less of a chance of developing lymphedema, at least severe lymphedema, which is heavy swelling in your arm because what your lymph nodes do is they kind of drain out the toxins in your body. So, but because I was already only operating with five right there, all of the other lymph nodes in the left quadrant of my body have already been working a lot harder since I wasn't—I didn't have that many under my left armpit. Um, so that was super cool to learn. I was very shocked by that at first, but then I learned that that's actually kind of a good thing since I had to get them all removed. But the best, best, best news was pathology came back and that one lymph node and all the surrounding tissue that she took out was all clear of cancer. Negative none. Praise Jesus. So the cancer stopped at the four lymph nodes that Dr. K took out during my initial surgery. Um, and I'm, I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, God. But even though we had this amazing news, when I came home from having that surgery done, I had a lot of anxiety about the port. And I think there's a lot of reasons why I had anxiety, but one, I... I was told that I really wouldn't notice the port which is true now. Now I can barely feel anything but when you first get that surgery at least for me personally I felt it everywhere. I felt everywhere the tubing was and I could obviously feel where the port was and it was just this foreign object that it was every time I swallowed, I felt it. Every little move I made, I felt it. Even if I was just sitting still, I felt it. And even though I, I knew that the port was there for a good reason for my treatment plan, I could not relax. And when I had my double mastectomy, they had given me volume. Which is a muscle relaxer, um, for for that surgery, and that did wonders. That did way more for me than any pain meds. And so, because of how anxious I was about this port, David had called um, the nurses the next day and said, "Hey, she's she's having a really hard time with this port. She says she can't relax. She she's." just not having a good time. Immediately, they were like, all right, we'll prescribe her Valium. Like, just go pick it up when it's ready. So luckily, I was able to get that. And that really, really did help me relax. I needed it for just a couple of days. And then I started to really get used to it. I still can kind of feel it, but barely. And I can tell that eventually, I probably won't notice it's there at all. Thank God, because it, it was a kind of anxiety I've never experienced before. I told David, I just, I felt like a science project. I just, I don't know why. I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't stand it. And although he was so sweet and so supportive, David has done a lot, a lot, a lot of things right um, during this journey, but he, he couldn't understand why the port was what was giving me so much anxiety when, you know, I have expanders in there, which kind of make my chest tight sometimes. And I had a double mastectomy, which was a lot more painful than what, than the, the second surgery I, I had done. So he just kind of wasn't understanding why this port was bothering me so much. And I told him, I said, mentally. When I think about the double mastectomy, that was the day that the tumors and the cancer cells in my lymph nodes came out of my body. That was the day that I got rid of cancer. And even though I have expanders in, I know that they're temporary for a good thing. They're temporary for reconstruction that is going to make me look and feel more like a woman again eventually. So mentally, my mind went to the positive when it came to that surgery and what was put in my body and what was taken out. With this surgery, the port means chemo. The port means I'm going to have to go through a really tough time to come out on top on the other side of this. And even though I know the lord is going to carry me through and i'm going to see a victory and i'm going to be okay and i'm not going to feel all the side effects of chemo and all of the you know the the negative things that you hear when you think of and hear about chemotherapy that's not going to be forever it is temporary but i i associated to just something very foreign being put in my body that didn't feel good and it it wasn't for this great thing even though it, it kind of is I mean chemo is what is going to kill any microscopic cancer cells throughout my body that might be left that we just can't see so it is a really 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 good thing but I didn't feel that way at the time and that's why I had that crazy anxiety about the port but again if if you're listening to this and you you are about to go through this, please know that that kind of feeling from the port really only lasts two to three days and then it gets so much better. So just hang in there. Don't be afraid to ask for Valium and roll with it and just pray, 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 pray. Yesterday I had my second, second opinion appointment. And I was super pumped about this because the doctor that we got to speak with, Dr. F, he is one of the top 30 oncologists in the nation. And he is, um, he practices at Penn in Philadelphia. So this was a phone call appointment. Um, We originally would have gone into Philly and physically met with him. But because of COVID-19, we did a phone call appointment with him. He was awesome. He's so thorough. He's so very caring. He went above and beyond to explain everything to me. And you can tell he's been doing this for a very long time. And you can, you could tell just by talking to him why he's one of the top oncologists in the nation. He completely backed up Dr. W's treatment plan. He said the same thing that Dr. H said, the The other doctor that I spoke to from Westchester. Um, This is the standard form of treatment for my type of breast cancer to cure it. He used that wonderful C word cure again for me, which I so appreciated. The only thing that he recommended that he does at his practice is when when you're going to have reconstructive surgery, he recommends doing that in between chemo and radiation. So his thought was, you should have your chemotherapy treatments, your eight doses, and then have your surgery, have your reconstructive surgery, recover from that, and then do radiation. And the reason is because it can make the whole entire process happen a lot quicker. And he in his opinion, waiting a couple extra months to start radiation shouldn't affect my outcome, which is great to hear because I know that radiation really affects your skin. So knowing that that need needed to heal completely, if I waited to do reconstruction until after radiation, I was thinking that I would probably not be able to have that surgery until next year in 2021 and you know I'm blessed I have I really I know I have cancer but I really don't have that much to complain about everybody has been fantastic everybody has been so uplifting so supportive so positive God like I keep saying, has given me such a peace about this. I know that I'm going to have a testimony to help others through this. And, and, and I'm good and I'm blessed. But I want this to be over as quick as possible. And if I go about the treatment in the way that Dr. F recommends, I should be able to be done with everything before Christmas. Which I would love. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Dr. W is in agreement with that and my surgeon, Dr. B, who would be performing that reconstructive surgery that I want, the tram flap surgery. Then he went above and beyond Dr. F did and personally emailed Dr. W for me to tell her of the changes he would make to my treatment plan and why. And I just thought it was amazing that he was willing to do that for me so I didn't have to go to her, make my own phone calls, see her, and try to figure out if this would be okay. So coming straight from him, I know that that will um, probably increase the chances of her being in agreeance, and hopefully I can get everything done this year, which would be fantastic. I feel so good moving forward, um, and if you're, you're at all in this with me, if you're listening to this and you're someone going through this or or you are newly diagnosed, or you know somebody who is, I highly recommend Second Opinions. It has nothing to do with how you feel about your team. I loved my team at the Amby Barshinger Cancer Center from day one. Every single person I have met, I love, and they are so amazing. But the Second Opinions just gave me that much more of peace of mind of knowing. The plan for my treatment and care and my outcome, I'm that much more confident about it because I heard from two other doctors who came highly recommended that, yes, this is what you should have done. So you go ahead, you stay in Lancaster, you stay put at home, especially with whatever, with what's going on in the world. Stay home, get your treatment done at home because we agree this is what we do if you were one of our patients and you got treated here. I think I've done a good job of explaining as I go how COVID-19 has affected this journey. But I, I want to point out that I know it's affected everybody. Every single one of you listening, this is affecting you. Even if you haven't lost a job and maybe you're able to work from home. Maybe you're a healthcare worker and you're still going to work every day. God love you. You are our heroes. We need you. Thank you. I need you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for going out there and fighting the fight and doing what you need to do for us. Um, but this is affecting everybody. And I don't know if it's selfish to feel this way. But honestly, so many people have said to me, I'm so sorry that not only do you have cancer, but you have cancer and there's a pandemic. But to be honest, the fact that every single person on the planet is going through something super difficult actually helps me. It makes me feel so much less alone. It makes me feel like, you know. Everybody is going through something hard right now, not just me. The world is not just spinning around me in happy, wonderful butterflies and rainbows while I am fighting for my life. So many people are fighting for their lives. And yes, COVID-19 makes my situation a little bit more scary because especially as soon as I start chemotherapy, I will be immunocompromised. So I have to really, really, really be careful. Um... I've I've got to, you know, really protect myself from contracting the virus. But we're all in this together and we're going to get through it. And I know the Lord is is going to protect me. I know the Lord's going to protect my family. I know that we're going to all get through this and we're going to be okay. The hardest part I think for us now is knowing that at some point soon David has to go back to work. And if you don't know, David is a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines. I I love that he works for this company. It is amazing. And we're so grateful that he still has his job. He is still employed. He is not one of the many thousands of people who do not have a job right now. Um, We are very, very blessed. But... Because he works for an airline and will be traveling everywhere around the nation, he has a lot higher of a chance of exposure to COVID-19, and he cannot bring that home to me. So whenever he goes back to work, he has to stay out and stay away from us and our family until the crisis is controlled So that's been really, really, really weighing on us. And we haven't been forthcoming about that because we've just felt so blessed. So many people have asked us like, hey, are you guys doing any sort of fundraising or GoFundMe, or has anybody set anything up for you? Do you need any more help? And although we've been so, so grateful, because everybody is kind of going through a tough time, we feel like we still have the capability of earning a great living and we have amazing health insurance. So we didn't want to ask for any more help. But (laughs) the Lord is so good. And he knows that it has given us an ache in our hearts because to be away from each other while I'm fighting this disease and we have little, little tiny kids at home that need their mom, that need care, that need their parents. And um, we had two friends of ours, two close friends, a husband and wife, who gave us an incredibly generous donation in hopes that it would help keep David home a little bit longer. And it definitely did. And then God took that selfless act and made a ripple effect. David had so many questions about going back to work and what that would look like and where he was going to stay in between trips because he couldn't come home. And I said, you know what, babe? The one thing you got to know about my husband is he's he doesn't like putting his personal business out there, which I applaud him for you know, I, I admire that about him. And he doesn't like to ask for help. But I said, you need to go on your Facebook forums. A lot of um, businesses, like big companies like Southwest, um, the flight attendants have their own Facebook pages. And um, the employees of Southwest have some Facebook pages where they just, you know, chat about different things, get advice. And Um, I said, you need to go on there, tell them what's going on with us and ask them, what would you guys recommend? Should I try to get what's called a crash pad where you pay a small monthly rent to a place near the airport where you can literally go and crash and shower and go back to work? Um, He was kind of asking about the What's going on out there because there's all these restaurants that are closed and how are people eating out on the road? Um, What are trips like? Because now a lot of flights are canceled. So where a week ago there was a lot of work, now there's a lot less work. So knowing that not only does he have to go back to work, but there might be a lot more days in between that he would have off and can't come home. You know, it was weighing heavily on him. So I told him, I said, put it out there, ask for advice. He did not ask for anybody to give us anything, for anybody to offer him anything. He was just asked, asking basic questions for basic advice on how to go about returning to work since he can't come home. And so many people offered a place for him to stay in between trips for free. So many people offered him their trips, like said, hey dude, if you need to make money and and if you're gonna be out on the road anyway, I am more than willing to give you some of my work so that you can make money for your family and you can stay out on the road working since you have to be away. And then a dear friend of his made a post About what was going on with us. She blocked David from it so he couldn't see. And she shared our story. And she also shared David's PayPal and Venmo information. And it hasn't even been 24 hours. And we have received so many donations from people, some who have worked with David and know him, some who have never met him, never never knew who he was, and definitely don't know who I am. And God has created this ripple effect of help that we never saw coming and did not ask for. But man, are we so appreciative because now David can stay home a lot longer to help me and be there for the kids while I go through this treatment. So I'm, I'm blown away by the blessings. Man, guys, God is always moving. And he is always blessing you, even when you don't ask for it. You just have to be willing to accept and receive all the gifts he wants to give you. And I know this has been a really long podcast. It's a lot longer than most of my episodes. But it was important that I I get you guys up to speed because now now you're were current. Now you know everything that I know. Um, and that's where I wanted to get before going into the next phase of everything, which is chemotherapy. I want to end in prayer like I did in last week's episode too. And what was awesome is I, I have the the Bible app on my iPhone and every day there is a verse of the day. And the verse of the day speaks completely to the generosity that was just given to us. It's from Isaiah fifty-five eleven, and it says, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I read that today and had chills everywhere. God is so amazing. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for blessing us far more than we deserve. Lord, I pray that you comfort though anybody listening to this who is going through a hard time. While we're dealing with COVID-19 and being cooped up, may you bless us with memories of cherishing this time with our family, staying inside, encouraging us and reminding us to stay home, that it is more important to stay safe and not spread this than to risk, exposure and spreading this and having to go through this for longer. Thank you for all of the good that has come from this, whether it be a breast cancer diagnosis or dealing with the pandemic. You always will bring good from all the suffering that we endure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the people who have blessed us. Please bless them so much more. Return those blessings, Lord, because they, they've changed our life. Thank you to everybody listening. Thank you that you are consuming their hearts, All that, all the people that accept you and receive you. I just pray that you comfort them and give them the kind of peace you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen.